You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. 76%. Get this, guys. By the way, we got uh, Joe and Harvey who are producing the show this morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. 76% of the teams that win game one of the Stanley Cup series win the cup. 76%. That, that's, a, that's, a real, that's a really big percentage. So it you're does telling not, me there's a chance. It does not bode well for the Panthers. You're telling me there's a chance. Well, there's a chance. Or are you saying it's over? Are you saying right now it's over? But 24%? That's, that's not, that's like, that sounds like over to me. It's less than a quarter. That's I, Yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's no bueno. It, it, it is not good. Greg Wyshynski, the puck daddy, is going to join us around 1030 this morning. Excited to get him on. He was on Vegas. He's been on Vegas. Uh, I've been on the Panthers. We had Stormy Bonantani uh, on our show yesterday. She's on Vegas, but a little she lives out in Vegas. She's been covering this team and been a part of this organization uh, since its inception, which, by the way, uh, this is the second time that, uh, that the Golden Knights are in the finals or are competing to win the Stanley Cup in six years. Could you imagine? Can we just marinate in that for a minute? Like a, like a startup franchise, a startup organization joining the NHL that's been around for a gazillion years, and now this is their second time in the finals in six years. Can you could you imagine how spoiled those fans must be right now? Oh, just wait. Like if they let's say say they lose this Stanley Cup, just wait. And if Why? they you, and if they what do you win, mean, what do you mean just wait? Because you say this, they're spoiled, right? And so usually, team- don't you? I mean, don't you? Don't you think like for a fan base? Think about think about a fan base. Think about all the young kids out there in Vegas who started following hockey because you know their town, their city gets this team, and in six years, this is the, this is the second time they've gone to compete for the cup. How do you think those young impressionable uh, adults, kids? Uh, how do you think they're going to go through? Like, this is the norm. Kind of reminds the norm. me of the Miami Marlins or the Florida Marlins when they were, you know, incepted in in the late '90s. It's sort of the, the same thing, right? '97 and '03. Well, well, don't talk uh, about '03. '03 wasn't a fun one, but they will be spoiled. You know, so. it's it's it's. Listen, it's. I'm. You guys know I'm from Miami. It's 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 a different bag there. It's. There's outside outside of the University of Miami Hurricanes uh, in the late 70s and throughout the 80s and, and, and into the early 90s, you know, for 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 Canes fans and, and the Canes were uh, the, the, the most important team across the board, more important than the Marlins, more important than the Dolphins, more important than the Panthers, more important than the Heat. Um the University of Miami Hurricanes, every season, it was it was championship, it was national championship or bust. So, so yeah, for Canes fans, yes, you're absolutely right. For everything else, I, I, I didn't, growing up there, I, I, didn't, I didn't get that feel. I didn't get that vibe. Well, the, I mean, I'm just saying in terms of competing for championships, the Marlins were the model franchise in terms of, you know, starting up a franchise and competing right away. I think now it would turn to Vegas, but you're right about Miami. I mean, now if the Dolphins were p- playing at 2 a.m., it would get a sellout. Oh, I don't know about that. Well, I don't know. Listen, I, I, it's been a minute. I, I've been up here in the Northeast for almost 15 years, so 
<laughs> so I, I don't, uh, but uh, talking about the Marlins, David Sampson is going to join us on the show this morning. Uh, he's going to be joining us in about, oh, 21 minutes. Uh, always love having him on, former president of the Marlins, good friend of mine, and uh, I, I thought it'd be great to have him on. We got a lot of calls on Major League Baseball yesterday, a lot of Yankee fans. Uh, oh, by the way, they won. I told you don't push the panic button yet, uh, but a lot of Yankee fans calling in the show, wanting to see Volpe uh, be sent down. Uh, 0 for 3 yesterday, last night in that game, still batting 188, but uh, nonetheless, uh, we'll dive into uh, the Yankees, the Mets, and, and look big picture in regard to Major League Baseball with David Sampson coming your way at 9.30 this morning. Like I said, Greg Wyshynski is going to join us to talk some NHL as uh, Game 2 will be Monday night in Vegas. Uh, don't forget, we've got NBA action, Game 2 tonight. Uh, really excited about that. We'll hear from Nick Friedel, who covers the Miami Heat. We'll also hear from Ohm Youngman Souk, who covers the Denver Nuggets, a little preview from both of them uh, in their select teams, getting us ready for tonight. Uh, we'll have a click or don't click coming your way, which of course uh, Tom and Harvey will uh, will drive that bus. And our phone lines are open. 800-919-3776 is the phone number. As I said, the Golden Knights, they do beat the Panthers uh, 5-2. They scored three goals in the third period. So needless to say, guys, like after period two, I was feeling really good about the under. Um, and, and then of course that went out the door. So, uh, they were trailing, uh, with 10 minutes left and then, um, and then, you know, Kachuk frustrated, uh, got sent out for 10 minutes because of misconduct and then all hell broke loose. But nonetheless, we'll do a deeper dive with Greg Wyshynski coming your way at 1030. Uh, let's kick off the show talking some major league baseball and rightfully so, because we do have David Sampson, who's going to be joining us in the next uh, 15 to 20 minutes. So the Yankees, they beat the Dodgers yesterday, 6-3. Aaron Judge with another home run. He's got 19. He's got 19 on the season, guys. So do you know what... So at, at 19 at this pace... 89, baby! Do we, do we know what he's on pace for? Do we know that? I was looking today. I, I, I couldn't be sure. If you guys don't know, it's okay. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. And then he had this amazing catch... Uh, of course, and I, I'm still I'm sitting here in my in my studio, and and I've got Sports Center on, and of course they're playing uh, the highlight reel for that as well. Uh, we'll be seeing that all day, I'm sure. So uh, so Aaron Judge doing Aaron Judge things. Uh, Cole Garrett Cole on the bump went six innings, uh, five strikeouts. But do you guys remember the over under strikeouts for him? I think it was like seven and a half. Um, it was either six and a half or seven and a half. Or so seven I think and a half. he he just missed the over on his total. Well, he had five. So if you played the under on that, then that was a winner. Garrett Cole is not like, you know, it's not like he's sitting there and, and tossing a ton. Of, I, don't, I don't feel like each and every game or outing for Garrett Cole, we're looking at the, that, at the box and we're seeing like nine or 12 strikeouts. It's just not his game, right? Uh, gave up four hits. And, um, and so he's 7-0, still undefeated on the season, which is fantastic. Uh, Greg Allen placed on IL because of a hip issue. So um, Cabrera came in and hit a home run. So got to feel good about that. Next man up mentality. This Yankees team getting healthier. I know, again, Volpe, as I said, went 0 for 3 yesterday. Uh, batting average still sitting around 188. And I know that uh, Yankee fans not happy why, while uh, Peraza is, is down there in the minors batting 337. We'll, we'll tee that up. 
We'll tee that up for David Sampson. I promise you that. We'll open up the phone lines as well, 800-919-3776. So tonight is the rubber match. You've got Herman going at it. He's 3-3 three and three with a 3-9-8 ERA, going up against Bobby Miller, who's 2-0 with a 1-6-4 ERA. This is the, this is the premier uh, Sunday night baseball game that you can watch on ESPN. Uh, this Dodgers team, they're 20-9 and nine at home, so... This is going to be some tough sledding for the Yankees, but hopefully they can win this rubber match, which would be really great. And they've got to be feeling really good about themselves uh, if they do come out of this series up 2-1. As for the Mets, they lost to the uh, the Blue Jays 2-1. Uh, Vladimir with a RBI double in the ninth that took the lead. Uh, McGill, one run, five hits, and only five, well, five walks. Uh, but uh, but it was a close one till uh, till the ninth, and uh, and Vlad was just able to, to seal the deal. Second straight loss for the Mets. So today, um, you know, they're back at it. First pitch will be at 1.40 p.m. Uh, let's open up the phone lines, 800-919-3776, Yankee fans. Uh, <laughs> the sky is not falling. So funny, yesterday I come onto the show, I see we've got a full bank of calls, Yankee fans, um, just, you know, complaining about the season. It's just, it's, it, it, there's, this, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Uh, you got to feel good about this win. What are your thoughts in regard to tonight's matchup and, uh, and, and how this Yankees team is looking right now? We'll open up the phone lines, 800-919-3776. Like I said, David Sampson is going to be joining us in about 15 minutes right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Again, Golden Knights uh, take game one, 5-2 against the Panthers. 76, 76 teams that, play, that, that win game one of the Stanley Cup series, uh, 76% of the time win the Cup. Again, that's like I read that this morning. I was like, damn, uh, those are some unbelievable odds. Uh, goalie Bob. Bravosky, uh 29 of 33, not a stellar night for him. Uh, it's his second loss in 12 playoff games. Um, Kachuk got into uh, this, this was chippy. Did you? Did by the way, did you guys watch this? Did you watch uh, Game One of the Stanley Cup last night? I got in late. My Red Bulls uh, were bad. But, Your um, Red Bulls. Yeah, Are they you, lost. Do you, do you have part ownership? I'm a season ticket holder, so I kind of consider oh, it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I kind of consider it part ownership. But yeah, last night was bad uh, on their end. So I came back. Uh, I was following the game on my phone. But yeah, it was pretty wild. I think there was like a shorthanded goal and then a power play goal. And then there was a bunch of fights as always. And then your boy Kachuk uh, got dismissed. Nice. I love, how you, I, I, love how, I love how you call him my boy. He's from Florida. He's, he's the Florida Panther, no? No, of course he is. But it's funny you call him my boy. That's my your boy. boy Kachuk. Yeah. My boy Kachuk. <laughs> Um, I was actually wearing, I was wearing, I, I wore his shirt on, uh, on daily wager on Friday. So yes, I, I guess you, you could, you could call him, uh, my boy. So we'll see what happens. Like I said, Greg Wyshynski is going to be joining us at 1030 this morning, but I wanted to open up the show talking about the Yankees again, yesterday, a lot of calls, a lot of Yankee fans calling in. Woe is me. Right. I mean, you guys, you, you guys were producing the show, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, we said this yesterday. I think it's a little bit, you know, too much too early Volpe even though he hasn't played well I mean he had a couple of good swings yesterday but he's just not getting the results and that you know this business is a results-based business and even yesterday on the broadcast Fox flashed a graphic comparing Jeter's first 50 games to Volpe's first 50 games 
And I just threw my hands up in disgust and said, can we just let this kid play without having the shadow of the greatest shortstop in this franchise's history and perhaps the greatest shortstop to ever play the game? So while Volpe didn't play well, again, just give him time. I I don't understand why Yankee fans are so up in arms about a kid's first 50 games. I mean, if you want to compare this to the COVID season, we haven't even gotten through 60 games yet. So I, I don't know how you can you can get on his case this early. It's it's June 4th, for goodness sake. It's it's just, you know, and, and listen, Mama Mimi tells me all the time, like, sweetheart, life isn't fair. When I Mom, that's not fair. Sweetheart, life isn't fair. Stop saying, like, like just life is not fair. I, I, I don't believe it's fair. And I want to know, like, you know, who, who put that, who put that analogy out there, right? Who started that? Um, because as we know, you know, Derek Jeter, one of, not just one of the greatest Yankees to play, but like one of the greatest to play in major league baseball. And, and to put that type of pressure on this young man, I just, I, I feel is just, could that be adding you know, it's, it, it, here's another thing, you know, and, and folks out there like, and, and, Joe and Harvey, I don't, I don't know if you've ever played, you know, organized sports um, or, or, or just sports in general, whatever the case may be. You, I, I'll, I can even, I'll, I'll equate it to even my golf game right now. When something, when something is off and you can't figure out what it is and then, it's, and the, and then there's added pressure to having to perform, it, it just, it, it becomes a mental thing. Could you imagine like, you know, obviously batting 188 that's you know nobody 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 sets out for that you know there's a reason why um cashman and and booney decided to uh start with him uh this season here in the bigs and obviously they wouldn't have done it if he's sitting there at 188 so obviously he's struggling with something uh, and then to compound that and trying to figure out all right what's wrong what's wrong with my my batting technique what have you trying to rectify and correct, you know, what, what's happening here. On top of that, he's got, and in New York City, and he's got to hear the comparisons of Derek Jeter and Yankee fans, you know, wanting him to be sent down. It's just, I, I think it's, it's, I think it's got to be a lot. Um, and, and, I, and I hope he can break out of this. And, and this is, this is going to be a question that I'm definitely going to pose to David Sampson, who's going to join us momentarily. And being a former executive, you know, Cashman and, and Booney feel like, you know, he's got to get through this up here in the bigs. They don't want to send him down to find out what's wrong, correct it. And then once he starts uh, improving that batting average, then bringing him back up, they want him to ride this out here. And that could be, listen, that could be a learning curve as well. That could be a good lesson to learn as well. At the same time, this is a Yankees team. 35 and 25 they've won five of their last seven they're still six game six games back to the rays uh two games now back to the orioles orioles lost yesterday the rays did win orioles lost so they're gaining ground on the orioles at the end of the day the yankees team they're on pace right now to win 97 games okay they're on pace right now to win 97 games and so Chances are they are going to finish either second or third in the American League East. I think if they win the East, I think it would be tremendous. I, I think we would need to see the Rays have a tremendous fall from grace in regard to how they have started the season. They're sitting at 41 and 19. They're 26 and 6 at home. 
They're 15 and three away on the road. So they're playing exceptional baseball uh, at home down there in Tampa. So we'll see how it all plays out. But, you know, it's, it's not like this is a Yankees team that, you know, they're, they're at the bottom of the barrel and, and they're 10 games out uh, of first. And, and, you know, now they, and, and I don't know even if that was the case, if it would change the mindset and how Cashman and, and Booney are handling Volpe right now. And at the end of the day, he's not the, like, he's not the only reason why this team is losing. So, so let's, let's keep that in mind as well. Uh, when we come back, like I said, David Sampson is going to join us on the program. Uh, we'll talk Yankees. We'll find out what's going on with the Mets. Unfortunately, they lose to the Blue Jays yet again, so they've lost two straight. They're 15-11 at home. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk Mets, and we'll talk big picture as, as we're getting, of course, closer and closer to the trade deadline and, and you know, a lot of talk out there in regard to Otani. Uh, I, I would love to get David Sampson's views and, and his thoughts on where he thinks Otani is going to go, if anywhere, um, this uh, this season. So still a lot more coming your way. We'll talk some more Major League Baseball. We'll take your calls. 800-919-3776 right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Who are the Giants? Who are the Jets playing today? That's what it feels like right now. There you go. Uh, joining us, uh, talking to Major League Baseball, is David Sampson, uh, former president of the Marlins, good friend, and of course, now on this side, he's got his own show, Nothing Personal with David Sampson, every day live, 8 a.m. on YouTube, and then, um, and then, of course, a podcast audio available right after. Uh, David, good morning. How are you? I am doing great. How are you, Anita? Uh, I'm fantastic. Just beautiful weather up here in the Northeast. That's for sure. Uh, I do want to I, I talk to you about uh, the Florida Panthers. Uh, maybe we'll do that towards the end. Obviously, wanted to get you on the show to talk Major League Baseball. And, of course, the Yankees. Yesterday, Yankee fans calling in. The sky is falling. <laughs> Um, Volpe, why is he still up here in the bigs? He's got to be sent down to the minors. What are we doing? What's Cashman doing? Uh, all, all around where we sit right now, like just your thoughts on the season so far with this Yankees team. As we know, they're 35 and 27, six games back to the Rays that are 41 and 19. Your thoughts on the season so far for the Yankees, David? I'm just curious. Is it the same people who called you and said that he had to make the big league team out of spring training? Which is two I'm, months ago. I'm 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 sure I'm sure there's some crossover there. I wouldn't doubt it. So here's the thing about being a fan: you have to know that the way we're evaluating the players is that if we think they're good enough to make the team, we're not going to send them back until their body language has changed, until they're different inside the clubhouse, until something has occurred to us that we're actually hurting the player and hurting the development of the player. But if you have a month or two where you're hitting below 200, even if you look overmatched from time to time, you're not going to give up on your top prospect that quickly. In terms of why we look at players and their body language, it's because baseball is so hard, and we need to see whether these players know how to fail. Because the best, most successful players are the ones who understand how much failure there's going to be, and I haven't seen anything out of Volpe to indicate that he has lost anything in terms of the evaluation that was put upon him two months ago. Uh, 
so so let's 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 get because I, I obviously this has been a hot topic especially here in new york um you know the the um the comparison david that has been placed on him since day one in regard to derek jeter i feel is totally unfair um you know talk about what you feel the pressure must be for this young man who probably grew up idolizing derek jeter is now is playing the position batting 188 um, again, majority of Yankee fans, you know, uh, just wanting him to be sent down. You know what? The, the the pressure must be absolutely immense for this young man right now. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you assume? The number of times that inside the clubhouse the name Derek Jeter is mentioned is zero. You would never say that to your young player. Hey, we expect you to be here and win a bunch of rings and be the king of New York and be. Teflon and untouchable and the greatest of all time, da-da-da-da-da. It would never come up inside the clubhouse from Brian Cashman, from his teammates, from his agents. It would never come up. The fact that it comes up in the media and with fans, the best players learn to ignore it. But listen, you're talking about something different, which is, okay, one of the players who can't play in New York. Is he Carl Pomano? Is he Sonny Gray? Do we know? The answer is you don't know right now. He's just establishing himself as a big league player, and he has plenty of at-bats left before anyone on the inside is going to say that either he's bad or he's bad for New York. What, what are your thoughts? Because, you know, it's, it's all right, so, there, so what Yankee fans are saying, all right, send him down at 188. Why aren't we bringing up uh, Peraza, who's batting three thirty-seven in the minors? And, and Peraza has been a name that has been out there. Yankee fans are right. We always, we always love, we always love the backup, right? Who's performing well? Get him up here. What's going on? What are your thoughts on Peraza, and, and, and why do you feel that it's it's been a minute? I, I mean, we've been talking about him since last season as well. So when we send a player down, we're not just looking for how they perform on the field. We're looking for the right opportunity to bring the player back up. It's really different to hit 330 in the minor leagues and then come up and have that translate. You can look over the former Mets uh, prospect. Remember that guy, Kellenick? No one thinks about him anymore in New York. He plays for the Mariners now, and he was the can't-miss prospect, and then he struggled like crazy, and now he's better. He was great, and now he's back to being average. It's very difficult for a player to be a superstar. There aren't many of them. And so the front offices don't evaluate in terms of superstar. They evaluate in terms of who's going to be a productive big leaguer and who's going to help our team win. The Yankees are not in third place because of Volpe or because Brock is not up here. They're in third place because they don't have deep enough starting pitching. They're in third place because the bottom of their lineup is not producing. They're in third place because they've had more than their share of injuries yet again, which is more a function of who they sign versus whether or not the players are good to begin with. And they're in third place because the Tampa Bay Rays a historic start and the Orioles haven't faded at all. So those are the real reasons they're in third place, not because of a particular player. I, I totally, totally agree with you. Uh, so, so let's, let's look big picture here in regard to uh, what, what we anticipate to happen. This Yankees team on pace to win 97 games which will put them either in second or third place if the Rays continue to play in the style that they that we have seen them play in. But um, let's let's go piece by piece in regard to um, in regard to rotation, right? Uh, looking to try to get healthy, uh, Raton hopefully back here by July. 
Uh, your thoughts on this rotation? Garrett Cole wins another one yesterday, so he's 7-0 on the season. Uh, but, of course, prior to that, Severino lost to the Dodgers. Uh, Mookie Betts with those two home runs. Your thoughts on this rotation, and what do you think uh, you need to see happen in regard to change outside of, of them just getting healthy, or, or is that it? Yeah, I've been saying the same thing for a couple of years with the Yankees, that their starting rotation just isn't good enough, and they went out and overpaid Rodon, forgetting the fact that he's injured. The reality is it was just a, a simple overpayment in both annual value and years, and now they're just suffering because he's not even playing. So, so the problem is you can still dream. He hasn't played, so therefore you don't realize that he's not going to be good enough to get you through October. So the dream is that he comes back, He's healthy, and all of a sudden he becomes the perfect complement to Cole in a playoff series, and you've got two top starters. Because as you know, to get through October, you need a tandem. You need a performing tandem of starting pitchers. And it's not going to be Severino. It's not going to be Herman. It's not going to be Nestor Cortez. Could it be Rodon? I don't think so. So if you're Cashman, I think the biggest thing you're looking for is who you're matching with Cole as you attempt to get through October, which has been the Yankees' problem for all these years. Right. So with that being said, as we get closer to the trade deadline, we know they need some some help in left field. And and obviously, as, as you know, you've alluded to, they're, they're obviously going to need to align somebody with Garrett Cole. So what are some of, the, some of the names out there that Yankee fans need to pay attention to as we get closer to the trade deadline? I think that what we should be hoping for needed something a little different. And I want to bring you back to when the Atlanta Braves won the World Series just a couple of years ago. And they have a GM named Alex Anthopoulos. And at the trade deadline, he made a bunch of moves that everybody criticized because they were not big names. People like Rosario and Soler and Duval. It was just a few years ago. And they helped the Braves win the World Series. He added to the bullpen with some pieces. I think that it's time for Brian Cashman to show New York that he doesn't need to go after the highest-paid players. Their payroll is already the second-highest in all of baseball. He has to go over and have better baseball people around him and identify pitchers who we're not talking about, right? Nobody was talking about those players when Atlanta acquired them. Nobody. And look what they did for him. And that's what I think the Yankees should try doing because what they have been doing with spending all this money, it hasn't equaled October wins. And I think that's what fans would want more than the biggest name. Interesting. Um, you know, so so at, at looking at this division, one would argue, David, that one of the most competitive divisions in all of sport, right? The Rays, the Orioles, the Yankees, the, the Jays, at one point in time, and, and I'm not sure uh, where it stands right now, but um, at one point in time, if the postseason would have began, uh, four of the five uh, would have made it into the postseason in regards to the wild card standings, and 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 they were you know at, at the top of those standings in the American League. How how do you see this playing out? Your thoughts on the Rays? Uh, do they regress? Do you do you see them continuing to play at this pace? The Orioles obviously have been one of the biggest surprises in Major League Baseball. Um, I had coming in, I had the Toronto Blue Jays winning this division. Of course, uh, they beat the Mets yesterday. How do you see the American League playing out based on what you've seen so far? I had Toronto winning the division, too, actually. And they're six and a half back in fourth place. And I'm not giving up yet, but almost. And if you look at the AL East, Boston has sort of faded, which we thought they would. But the real difference is that Texas has played so well and they're scoring so many runs. 
and Houston is still so good, so they're going to take up a wild card spot, one of those two teams. So therefore, it can't be four AL East teams. So let's say Houston or Texas takes over for Boston, and then you've got Baltimore and New York as two teams out of the three, which makes perfect sense. So that means that Toronto, two of the teams are not going to make it. The question is, can Toronto catch New York or Baltimore? And can Boston? And I'm going to say no to Boston. I'm going to say yes to Toronto. So I think Toronto and New York end up making it over Baltimore. But again, Baltimore has shown that they continue to win games with the best bullpen in the big leagues and, and young players who just are, are playing well together. So it's a fascinating division. But one thing to keep in mind, and if we ever if we get to the Mets, we can talk about this too. You play fewer games this year against teams in your division. So you mm-hmm. can't count on catching a team in your division at the end, playing them eight times in the last ten games, let's say. That schedule has changed. So a mid-June series, like what the Mets are doing with Atlanta this coming week, that becomes a far more important series than in years past. Yeah, and, and look at this July for the Yankees. And, yes, we're, we're going to switch to the Mets in just a second, but July 3rd through the 6th, uh, the Orioles going up against four games against the Orioles, July 28th through the 30th, uh, the Orioles at Camden Yards, uh, July 30th through August 1st, there were uh, three games against the Rays here at Yankee Stadium, and then, of course, August 25th through the 27th, the Rays, uh, three games at Tropicana Field. So a really important August, I- I'm sorry, a really important July for the Yankees coming up, specifically facing the Orioles and the Rays. In regards to the Mets, they lose yesterday to the Blue Jays 2-1. They've lost two straight. They're 15-11 at home. Uh, they obviously have been struggling as well. When you look at the standings, uh, Atlanta 34-24. and You've got the Marlins, your Marlins, uh, three and a half games back. Uh, the Mets four and a half games back. Uh, your thoughts on the National League and, and, and what you've seen from the Mets. Unfortunately, uh, you know, Max Scherzer, his, his, and as well as Verlander, uh, have not been stellar. And I think I had you on prior to the season starting, and, and I think we both felt like how those two dudes go, that's how this team will go. And sure enough, it's true to form. Well, I think we were pretty clear that when you count on an octogenarian to carry your, carry your team through October and together they're close to that, I think it's going to be hard. They have not been able to stay healthy. And the question is, are they doing it purposely? And I don't mean getting hurt purposely, but are they keeping their innings down, keeping their pitches down, hoping for October greatness? The problem with the Mets is, even though they have Alonzo leading in home runs and runs batted in, as a team, they're just not scoring enough. They're not hitting for high enough average, in my opinion. And their general pitching staff Again, same thing with the Yankees. It's just not been as productive as we needed it or hoped it would be for them to be successful. The interesting thing about that division, again, it's not unbalanced, which means you have the Marlins just play the A's, and now they're playing the Royals. There's a lot of bad teams who, if you win those games, it's going to be helpful to you, and you can't lose them. We saw the Braves lose twice to the A's, but then we saw the Marlins sweep the A's. So now you're in a position where you're seeing the Marlins catching up and getting ahead of the Mets, et cetera. So the schedule change has not been talked about a lot, Anita, but it is one of the biggest stories of this season, more so than even the pitch clock, is the way the schedule was changed. And it's been fascinating for me to watch. 
Uh, you mentioned the pitch clock. Uh, Max Scherzer, not a big fan. Uh, usually yeah. needs eight pitches to warm up. Only got seven. Complained about it. Um, your thoughts on how the pitch clock has affected Major League Baseball pitching uh, this season? I think that Max Scherzer uh, and his agent, Scott Boris, they love to complain. They love to say how bad things are, and they love to not acknowledge that they're on an island. Max Scherzer voted against the collective bargain agreement because his agent told him to, and the rest of the team representatives voted for it. So the only people who voted against it were Boris people, basically, on the executive council. And, and Max has been complaining nonstop. He got suspended for sticky substances complained that, that it couldn't have been him, shouldn't have been him. He doesn't understand the rules. He's full of it. He knows exactly what he did wrong. He knows exactly what you're not allowed to do, and he still did it because he didn't want to get caught, didn't think he'd get caught, but he needs it in order to try to be as productive as he was when he was younger. Father time is going to win. And when you're the Mets and you sign these contracts, I gave them so much credit for letting Jacob DeGrom go because that was a complete overpay. And the miracle is what Texas is doing without Jacob DeGrom. But what the Mets did by replacing him with Verlander, that's fewer years, which is a positive, but it's the same sort of age, if not older. And you're going to have regression. You're going to have age catch up. So my concern with the Mets is certainly the age of their rotation. Max Scherzer, to me, is focused on all the wrong things because he doesn't want us to focus on the fact that he's just not as good as he used to be. And that's sort of my view of the Mets. Again, David Sampson joining us here. Nothing personal. Uh, everyday live, 8 a.m. on YouTube. And, of course, audio available on where you can uh, find your podcast. That's for sure. Before we let you go, man, I've got the Panthers winning the Stanley Cup. You're down there, David. What gives? They lose game one to uh, the Golden Knights. Do you, uh, are, are you feeling this Panthers team right now? Do you think that they're going to be sipping beer out of that, out of that trophy? Well, I'm actually back in New York now, so I, that's where I'm doing the show from. But I will tell you that it is exciting down in South Florida having the Heat and the uh, Panthers both in the finals. I'm glad I'm not running the Marlins anymore because I would have been furious at their success, jealous of their success, knowing that nobody's focusing on the Marlins because they're still focused on hockey and basketball. That said, if you watched the Stanley Cup game last night, which I did, it was a tight game. And then it just opened up in the third period where the, the Vegas the Golden Knights, they just took advantage of opportunities that uh, the Panthers did not. And you saw sort of the goalie uncharacteristically let them through that he hadn't in the previous round. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a long series. So I'm predicting that the Panthers still win the Cup, but I think it's going to take the full seven games, which means it'll be the greatest thing in all of sports, which is Stanley Cup Game 7. And then if it's overtime, that's simply the number one thing ever. <laughs> um, well, your mouth to God's ears. Uh, my, my favorite futures bets was over five and a half games in order to decide the Stanley Cup champion. So uh, if you're, I, I, I'm, I said, one. I said Panthers in six. If you're saying seven, uh, then I'm still a winner. Mama's still going to buy a new pair of shoes. Uh, David, you rock. Always <laughs> appreciate you when you join us on the program. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye. You got it. You got it. A lot to digest there, Yankee fans. 800-919-3776. Adam, I see you. You will be first up right here on 98.7 ESPN. 
You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. There was quite a quite a bit of give, so I wasn't too happy with, I think, Muncy getting second base there. It's not like I, you know, tumbled over and went out of play. The, the fence broke. I still got an issue with that if they would have scored. But, you know, King did his job, held him down, and we got out of the inning. Aaron Judge, home run number 19 last night. Makes an unbelievable catch. It's all over Sports Center. It will be all day long. I'm sure about that. 800-919-3776. Now's the time to jump on board. We're switching gears as we head into hour two. Uh, we're going to be talking about the NBA championships uh, game two later on tonight. So now's the time to jump on board. If you want to talk about the Yankees, the Mets, uh, no love lost uh, for Max Scherzer when it comes to uh, to David. Right, guys? Whoa. That was a... Right, when that was a pretty strong statement. That was that was that was that caught me by surprise for sure. <laughs> what when he said that when he <laughs> pretty much threw Max under the bus? Um, when he what did you guys like? Did you guys make a face back there in the studio when he uh, when he was when he was dissing Max Scherzer? I was like, oh my eyes got a little bit widened. That's for sure. Wasn't thinking he was going to pump ninety five at nine forty in the morning. <laughs> um. Whoa, yeah, uh, pretty interesting. Let's go to Adam in Deer Park. Adam, welcome in. Adam, you there? Uh, Bueller? Anyone? Anyone? Nice. No? I like that one. I like that movie. Okay. <laughs> oh, really? You you like that reference? How how old how old were Bueller? you when first? Bueller. 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 <laughs> How old were you when Ferris Bueller, when that movie came out? Oh, when did that movie come out? Um, hold on. 1986. There you go, 1986. Um, How old were you? Sadly, I was negative nine. You were negative? You weren't even born yet when no, Ferris Bueller came out? No, my parents were uh, 13. Whoa, yeah. stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we've got to take a break right about now. Yeah, I've got to regroup. Well, I've got to take a break now. I've got to take a I got to take a break right now. Um, whoa, seriously? How, I saw. I did you, see the movie. Harvey, how old? How old are your folks? How old are your parents? It's a uh, they, they, My mom turned fifty in April, and so my dad's turning fifty in a few weeks. Wow. Okay. Um, We're not taking a break, by the way. We're pushing through. Uh, what's, <laughs> Um, well, we're actually, we're, we're up against the top of the hour. And, uh, and, and like I said, oh, I, how I, convenient. I, I would, yeah, I would, <laughs> I would like to switch gears here and, uh, and, and do a deep dive into tonight's matchup. Uh, we've got game two of the NBA champions, uh, championship game taking place, uh, in, uh, in Denver. They're still in mile high. We've got Nick Friedel, uh, who, uh, who's covering the Miami heat is there looking to try to bounce back. Uh, really, it's it's been it's been a tough situation for them. Of course, uh, granted, yes, they did beat the Boston Celtics, but they went straight from Boston out to Denver. Very interesting, right? Like to make that decision, uh, and and I'm sure getting them out there and getting them acclimated to the uh, the altitude and the thin air was more important than them going home and um, eating, uh, you know, their their home porridge and sleeping in their own beds and and whatnot. But uh, I, I just, I personally, we talked about it at length yesterday. We'll continue to talk about it today. I just don't think they're going to have enough gas in the tank to win tonight. 
But Nick Friedell, who covers the Miami Heat, we'll hear from him. We'll also hear from Ohm Youngman Souk, who's covering the Denver Nuggets, uh, who are hosting tonight for Game 2 of the NBA Championship. Uh, all that next. And also we'll hear from Greg Wyshynski, by the way. He's going to be joining us at 10.30 this morning as the Golden Knights win Game 1 against the Panthers 5-2. Uh, it was pretty tight until uh, the last 10 minutes uh, of the game, and uh, they scored three goals in the third period. So all that's still coming your way next here on 90.7 ESPN.